0: A very good morning and welcome to Momentum Meets. I'm Alistair Boddy, Business Development Director here at Momentum Broker Solutions. Today, I'm joined by Paul Holland, Chief Exec and Founder of Beyond Encryption. Hello,
1: Paul. No, thanks for inviting me along, Alistair. Uh, very pleased to be here.
0: So tell us a little bit
1: about yourself um, and Beyond Encryption. How did you get to where you are today? I've been involved with the financial services market for longer than I would care to remember, I guess, and, and, and uh, pretty well entirely based around providing software solutions to advisory firms product providers and, and and hopefully trying to uh solve some of the problems that we all experience uh with the online world despite the fact i'm sure we all love and hate it in the same in the same breath in many cases but uh in essence you know beyond encryption is uh, is a business that was founded uh back in 2016 um it, it actually predates that by many years, in fact, the intellectual property that ultimately became the product sets in Beyond Encryption was ring-fenced from some previous businesses I was involved in. Uh, One back in, uh, well, really will date me, Uh, probably uh, nearly 18 years ago that I sold to Capita uh, and carried forward some ideas that then ultimately went into another business that I exited from uh, seven years ago to to, uh, Experian. And then uh, by which point I'd sort of pick this back up in in, in terms of uh, email security and identity authentication. So this has been on the cards for a long time, but I guess the world's grown up around what it needs to do to try and protect itself online. So perhaps uh, perhaps that's something we'll, we'll talk about in more detail, I'm sure, as we as we chat.
0: I mean, the unique thing about your proposition is, and I can imagine some of our listeners are probably thinking, what does that mean for me? You know, I'm running a small um, insurance brokerage or, or or thinking about starting a small insurance brokerage and, um, and it's all well and good you providing these services to these large corporates. But one of the things that I find quite unique about your proposition and the way that you have uh, presented it is not only is this available for the large uh, corporates, but it's also available for the everyday consumer and the SME. Um, how important is it for you and your business to make sure that you have a solution that supports pretty much anybody who needs it?
1: Businesses in the UK are very prolifically tilted towards the SME you know, area, the smaller businesses. Um, you know, the UK thrives on it. Um, most consumers in the UK will interact with smaller businesses on a regular basis and, and perhaps less frequently with larger companies, ironically so so when we set about our journey and i think this was the synergy with momentum you know from what i gather yeah you 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 too were also trying to be practical about the solutions and systems you provide to to the real driving force behind the uk economy and that's that's you know sometimes one and two man bands so despite Setting ourselves up, of course, to try and make sure we can cater for those great big games. Um, we wanted to sort of level the playing field a bit. And I think again, that was a theme that you mentioned that momentum have sought to uh, to achieve, you know, arming arming the real driving forces, you know, the the backbone of the of the economy to benefit from systems that help them conduct business with everyday consumers like like me, you know. So you know that means you know you have to provide a kit bag that um, doesn't just, uh, say, power great big organisations, but works with. You know, I like I like to cite my mum as a as a worst, mum as a worst case but best case scenario. You know, uh, I bought my mum an iPad during COVID and an iPhone, and I I didn't do that for any other reason to be honest with you than FaceTime, given social distance <laughs> and everything, because it sort of gave as I'm sure many others uh, did the same. You know, you not, we're not, we're, we like to think we're unique, but probably not in our problems. But it meant that, yeah, I could feel a lot closer to my mum when I couldn't be sat next to her. So, but what that did, um, and it's been evidenced through statistics, is it changed the demographic of the UK way it interacts with technology. You know, smart devices have become the norm. You know, more, more people have them than have ever had them. And the age demographic connected with and probably accelerated because of COVID actually is also increased. You know, it's not my mum's not very competent, very competent. Perhaps that's a little bit of an overestimate. She's competent now at browsing the web. She'll do a bit of online shopping. But what she's not going to do is install loads of really com- complicated software. And yet, you know. With an aging demographic, she's she's a really important. I'll call her an endpoint, very unsympathetically, for for uh, for goods and service providers. You know, the systems have to work with my mum. Hence the reason I mention her because she can use our system, um, uh, and and she deserves the same level of security about her data and her, her communication exchanges that other people do.
0: So look if we look at the risks with email and and i know you've uh, recently published a white paper which we'll come back to but the average person will get will will probably get that you might send something to the wrong person but surely if the email address is right what is the issue with sending emails by um, just simply sending emails where can they go horribly wrong
1: so um as i said uh, 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 earlier there i mean email was deliberately invented as was the internet to share information it wasn't created to make that information secure as such so you might want to consider an email a bit like a postcard you know if you choose to put information on a postcard uh, I guess what you're accepting and some people will still do it is that when it bounces from one sorting office to the next on its journey to go through hopefully the right letterbox it's there for everyone to read and that's that's actually you know the closest example I can give as to the way email works. It it, it literally follows a similar bouncing philosophy. It bounces from one server to another, and ideally it will land in the right email box and the right person will read it. Of course, on its journey, um, and there are industrial scale businesses globally set up to perform what I'm about to tell you, someone else can read it. And there's quite often a lot of really quite, from a theft point of view, valuable information that might be sat within an email you know uh, uh, trying to trying to think from your uh, particular area of expertise with your your membership you know when i when i think about insuring my home or insuring my possessions or my business the last thing i really want to know it, it, or want other people to know is that i've got a particularly valuable item that's in a particular address that may or may not be in a a locked uh, safe or maybe required to be so, because that's quite valuable to someone that might then target my front door that may not have a you know a five lever mortise lock or whatever it might be <laughs> yeah, compared to my next door neighbor. Um, so so actually more than more than sort of respecting that information at a client level, there's a legal obligation actually uh, that the ICO places upon people to secure uh, email information to encrypt it. And that's existed for quite some time. I guess, I guess the piece of the jigsaw that was slightly less focused upon by our competitors, and therefore the reason we were able to create such a sizable market share for ourselves was that the other bit is it's incredibly easy, uh, again, painting that same picture to possibly put the wrong bit of information through the wrong letterbox. So sending an email to somebody or the wrong somebody is one of the largest areas cited in repeated quarterly uh, uh, data incident reports from the ICO. Um, you know, the, it, it's cited as one of the um, the things that people do m- almost most often. And I'm sure, I can certainly, you know, I know you can't necessarily. People listening can't hear me. Raise my hand to say, have I ever inadvertently sent an email? Which- in it to the wrong person absolutely uh, you know i'm not proud of it um i've got a couple of real bopars that i won't mention on your on your your blog, is they're probably going to be using the wrong words and <laughs> expletives but but yeah, it, it's a really embarrassing position it could be it could be f- incredibly financially uh impeding should we say you know it it, it, it can be reputationally incredibly damaging
0: yeah and and the mail lock facility which is um beyond encryption's uh, i suppose big product i mean what exactly is it and how how does it help um let's just say the sme in regards to making sure that when they are sharing whether they're sending or receiving um private or personal details that that information doesn't get in the the wrong hands
1: yeah no problem so so i I have a suspicion that a goodly chunk of your members are probably most used to you know microsoft that massive business and and they probably use things like Outlook or Office 365 or those are the ones that you know the, the office suite um you know Word and Excel and all those things that you'll be familiar with if they're using those systems just as a reference point um we we integrate very tightly to allow somebody that would normally just press a send button to overlay on that send two things one the ability for them to encrypt that message in its passage to stop you know That would be thief being able to look in and look look at the open postcard. Um, But but the second thing is to overlay also an an identity authentication capability. That sounds really complex, but it isn't. Um, You know, how might I, you know, identify uh, the person with whom I want to communicate? Well, there are lots of ways I could do that. I could maybe have a, a shared secret, which, you know, when I use that phrase again, that sounds complicated, but we're probably almost used to that when we talk to our banks, you know, you'll ring them up and there'd be the very typical process of them saying, uh, setting a challenge and an, and a, and an answer. You have three questions, three answers. And if you get the three answers correct, that you pre-agree with them, they're satisfied that you are the intended person and they'll transact on your bank account. They'll let you send money or whatever so we can employ a similar principle they can simply add a question and an expected answer and unless that answer is met the recipient won't be permitted access to the communication it may well be you know the mobile phone number of that recipient and therefore you use what they call two-factor authentication you could call the question and answer two-factor by the way but again it's not an untypical process to send a code to a phone and if the right person receives the code and receives the secure message they wed the two two together, then they're permitted access. Again, a very, very simple process. It may be that you want to go real, you know, put this whole process on steroids and you want to interrogate someone's passport, the near field chip on their passport, you know, do a face recognition. There are some really sophisticated ways of checking you've got the right person. But at the lowest level, we enable them to satisfy those two things, stop people from peering in on their email and in transit, and make sure that the person that you send it to is the right person. Yeah,
0: and then I can see I can see people looking at that sort of uh, the mail lock solution as as more of a barrier to communicate historically, and it's important that that doesn't continue to to be that. That, that that i don't know that security standard that actually slows things down or or stops the communication that or in the speed of communication that we're so used to 100 um so it has to aid the process
1: yeah 100 and and you're absolutely bang on us there most people that have looked at these things before have only seen them as a as a business prevention software system <laughs> And, 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 and to be frank, the, the reason we exist is because those mistakes have been made and we've, we've tried to solve them. Uh, you know, we are continually reviewing that. I
0: can say, certainly in the financial services, we've all heard that same business prevention far too often. So we'll move on quickly on that one, if you don't <laughs> mind, Paul. Um, <laughs> but you touched on it, you read, we're going to come back to it, about the white paper that you have recently completed on consumers' knowledge and understanding on email security. Um, you did this research in respect of consumers and the everyday person and their understanding of uh, what email security and how emails are sent and and, and, and what precautions they should take. why did you go about writing this paper or, or conducting this research?
1: So I, I guess there were lots of motives. Um, the primary one, which in fairness, you identified straight away, Alice was that I don't believe what the research gave us back in some context. It was the very reason we did it. <laughs> so we asked two thousand people and we took it and we tried to take a representative demographic of parties in the research that you know would would be representative of the UK population. And I think what came out of it, and I have a suspicion you might agree, was the fact that people represent themselves as no more than they actually do. Now, now the truth is, if you're asked a question, you know, by a researcher, you know, do you think you could spot um, an email that's been sent by someone other than, you know, reporting to be someone other than actually who they are? perhaps perhaps it's fair to assume that without wanting to look a bit of an ignoramus you might say well yeah i think i would i think i'm pretty confident i could spot something bad uh, and, and and in fairness that's what the research resoundingly reported and then what it reported which was actually in stark contradiction to that was a whole set of stats that identified that that same that same demographic of people were undertaking actions and processes that would fly in the face of the statement they just made ie you know they were sharing personal data they were sharing personal information they were being asked by companies with whom they interacted to share their bank details and they did it if you knew the risks involved a bit like I guess you know maybe not the best comparison you know if you knew that you were much likely to come out of a car crash in a better way wearing a safety belt than not wearing a safety belt of course you'd wear a safety belt and in fact you know for me i remember when they brought that rule in that just shows my age again but my my automatic natural reaction these days is to get in the car and i just put my safety belt on i, I don't actually even think about it anymore and yet we're not at that point electronically and that was proven by the research people are doing things that are putting themselves at risk and if they actually thought about it <laughs> They've realised that they need to take some action to protect themselves.
0: Uh, I, I've written down here something around the stats and been be a bit candid and maybe even been a little bit cynical. But uh, now that you've, uh, you, you've approached it, I can I can I don't have to hold back so much now, Paul. But I
1: agree.
0: One of the comments I saw in the report, I was a little bit surprised about. We did talk about this briefly the other day. Was um the national center for cyber security um guidance states that frequent changes of passwords actually results in an increased risk of being hacked now i didn't expect to read that why is this the case
1: so passwords um um you're quite right they, they, they actually recommend organizations don't force regular password uh expiry in fact now as is, is the way they do this um because uh, they, they they think it reduces the sort of vulnerabilities associated with regular expiry uh, expiring passwords w- w- i suspect if if uh if you are like me or your, your 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 listeners are like me there's a certain degree of friction we're back to that again that i'm prepared to accept around passwords um uh, I, I i personally in fact we provide throughout the whole company there's a few things we do you know, in the business to try and keep using the phrase keep it real one is making sure people speak to real customers and and man support desks and things like that occasionally it doesn't matter who you are in the business i think it's a healthy thing the other the other one is actually making sure that people take a very robust position on their passwords for accessing systems and we provide them with a password yeah you know a tool that can collect those passwords together ironically that password system requires a password to get into it <laughs> um but but the point being that you can therefore make that one quite sophisticated, and and you'll be surprised how uh, how your brain will be trained to remember a sophisticated password. One remember lots of them, and as a consequence, the habit that people get into is they share passwords across multiple sites. Uh, and in fact, for those of you that have got you know smart devices, you'll probably find on your smart device. Um, that, that occasionally it will now start to prompt you and say, uh, "You know, there's been a hack, and your password has been, you know, uh, noted as one that was uh, uh, picked up from a particular site." And of course, what they should do is is spark a, a certain amount of fear, because of course, if you have used it somewhere else and it's connected with your email address, you may just to be uh, now open to someone accessing some stuff you don't want them to. So, so I, I think I think what they what they're trying to suggest is that people just need to consider their whole philosophy around password access on systems and probably take a take the sort of approach that I, you know, we, we the approach we've taken, which is to say, look, use very complicated passwords. In fact, one, you get a system to generate them and then use yourself one complex access point and keeping all those in one place because the habit is people share passwords across sites. We've all, I'm sure at some point, You've done done the same thing ourselves. We <laughs> might not want to accept it.
0: Momentum at one, momentum at two, so on and so on and so on, yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: so thinking about beyond encryption, what, what do you see the biggest challenge that your business is facing at the moment?
1: A lot of the stuff we've touched on throughout this whole podcast, um, you know, is part of our challenge, making sure people have a, a clear understanding of what email is and isn't and what it can and can't do. Um where it now can be used and 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 trying to displace or uh, remove some of the historic um challenges that people remember the issues around some of the old security systems they were not easy or nice to use by anybody uh, but these things stick in people's minds um, i think part of it is also um you know uh, we we, we we're most definitely not having to encourage end consumers to you know um, to use email should we say as I say the stats on email growth and projected stats are extraordinary you know I think I think that 320 billion you know email sent and received a day is due to increase to something like 360 over the course next uh, the next two or three years so, so I, th- I think I think unfortunately it still comes back to that education piece making sure people understand the mediums with which they are choosing to communicate and the risks that come alongside of them. I, th- I think it's. Got, I think we've got a long way in that, though. In fairness, in fairness, the very fact I guess we're talking about this, which is fabulous, uh, uh, to get the opportunity to have this sort of forum, is it, it, testament to that. Pe- people are beginning to understand some of the challenges because the world's changed. Uh, none, nonetheless, you know, uh, there's, there's no no place for uh, there's, there's 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 always a space for more education.
0: What I'd like to do just probably is go into a couple of quick-fire questions for you, Paul. Just trying to, you know, for those listening today, get some clear understanding about how they can probably take some remedial steps or take some quick steps to sort of sort things out for themselves. So if you're an insurance broker now um, talking to your SME client, what's the top three things they potentially could do to obviously protect themselves better from cyber threats?
1: So I'd I definitely say um, talk to you know a local, ideally someone that you know, you can still face to face, you know, um, and can come and sit with you and understand your business and, and and the systems that were probably pertinent to them. So you know, having a relationship with a, a local supplier um, that is you know prevalent and understands this sort of uh, area would be a good one. And uh, aside from obviously you know. Grab yourself a mail lot license because it's as cheap as chips and it sort of works, you know. But then you know that's that's the obvious one. There's my big plug for a moment. But I think I think I think the other big one. We have various guides. We have various guides on on this on our system, which which perhaps we could share after the podcast that that are probably worth reading through. That are part of that education piece again. You know, if you've got other people with whom you work, it's worth just you know between you, you know, sharing a bit of uh, understanding, and knowledge, or and, and reading through some of these guides to, to sort of help you pick out some of the, the 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 pitfalls, the typical ways in which these cyber criminals will try and attack you. Some of them are really more obvious than you might expect. You know, uh, some of the more sophisticated ones are, are, are a little more uh, difficult to spot. Um, but, but you use, use some of the software that's out there to try and help you. Uh, it's not easy. You know, business as usual, people have got enough on their plates to deal with, haven't they, these days? try to do their own business. You know, y- use what systems you can economically to try and just help you uh, not have to think about some of these problems, but but always keep in mind on, on education again.
0: What types of emails should you always ensure are encrypted when you're sending them or receiving them?
1: So, so from my perspective, you know, when you're sharing most prevalently, if you're sharing bank details, if you're asking someone to pay an invoice, for instance, if you're seeking payment for something, if you push that out in an open email you are leaving yourselves open to some form of an interception namely i might ask you alistair to pay my bank account for my services or for my insurance policy of course um if uh, someone intercepts that they might forward on an email that looks incredibly like the one i sent but they have just shifted the bank details you make in all good faith a payment to the wrong bank account um you're not insured it's not been arrived by me the next question to you to from, from my side is Alistair, I've not received your money. Your reply is, I've paid it. Um, that's an uncomfortable conversation for everybody. Who, who was responsible there? Well, actually I was. I should have protected those bank details at outset. I should have allowed you to reply back to me securely, all those things. Um, if you're sending personal data, you know, personal data is is not as sophisticated as you might think. People's names and addresses are valuable things to a criminal. Maybe not because the name and the address in its own right can lead to a financial loss for that person, but married up with other information they might hold, it could give them the keys to to sort of start a fraud process, identity theft. So when you're sending stuff that feels sensitive in any form really, just protect it. Um, uh, but it you know, it, it, as I say, it's not—it's not difficult. It's not expensive.
0: And look, this—this this hasn't been a sales pitch for obviously beyond encryption and mail lock. But you know, it, it is a free. There is a free version
1: available. There is indeed.
0: How can people find out a little bit more about what you do and accessing mail?
1: Yeah, no, no problem. Basically, if you come to beyondencryption.com, the website, um, the navigation should be pretty simple. There, you'll find there's a product listed in under product section called Mail Lock and you're quite right, Alice. There, um, there is a low, uh, a, a sort of low usage system that's entirely free. Actually, it's this, the very same system that someone that pays for the system uh, uh, can give to their customers to use as well. Not just back to them, by the way. Um, yeah, so. so you know, if 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 you're not sending huge volumes of output, it's only needed, you know, a, a few times a month. By all means, grab the free system and use that. Um, that will give you, you know, a good good degree of protection. If you're using more uh, more widely, then there's all sorts of branding opportunities and other bells and whistles that we implement in the in the pay for system. But yeah, simply come to the website. Uh, there's also free trials and all those things, so you can try before you buy, have a look at it, and if you end up with a free system, then fab, at least you've got it available when you need it.
0: Well, thank you very much,
1: Paul, for joining us today. It's been a great session. No, not at all. Really appreciate the invitation, and, uh, yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for inviting me.
0: For those who want to listen to more of our podcasts, you can visit our website, momentum MomentumSolutions.co.uk forward slash podcast, or alternatively, look up Momentum Moments wherever you find your normal podcasts and you'll find further um, information there. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to catching up with you next time.